0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Down in the Valley podcast. My name is uh, Edson Ochoa, and I am one of the co-hosts uh, of the podcast. Uh, tonight, we have a very special interview that I want that I wanted to bring you for a while. Actually, it's, it had been in the works uh, for a while. Uh, it's just that uh, recently, it just it just was the perfect time to go ahead and, and bring him on. And we're talking about that we're going to have tonight none other than Rafael Amaya the uh, RGVFC Academy director. Uh, Coach Amaya, how, how have you been? And Doing to well. Show. Really,
1: really appreciate uh, for bringing us to the show. Excited to, for, for you know, for you guys, for everything you guys do, and obviously for fans and, and the people from the Valley to really know what the Academy is about and what we have. And there's lots of talent here that we can promote as as we go here through the program. And I really appreciate the time.
0: Of course, uh, of course, it's you know, like I said, it's something that we've, we we want to do mostly because uh, I feel like uh, fans need to understand that the academy is a very important piece of any soccer team, not only in the United States but but worldwide, because you're talking about that you're developing what could be future players for your favorite team, in this case, uh, RGVFC, and more importantly, the fact, you know, that they are developing our local talent, uh, not only from the Rio Grande Valley, but also from uh, northern, northern Mexico, uh, if, uh, if I'm not mistaken as well, you know. So the fact that we have that closer connection with these future players as a region uh, I think it's really important to kind of highlight that and for people to, to know more about how, how the academy works. And heck, you know, even if you have kids that, that, are, that are in the age groups that, that the Taurus Academy has, you know, you, mind, you might be interested in, uh, in having them uh, try to enter the, the Taurus Academy as well.
1: Yeah, Neil, no, I would like to like go back even a little bit, just how we began. And obviously uh, I moved here from Colorado where I was a former player for the Colorado Rapids, retired and um, over the 17, 18 close years, worked in the community and always working with all, all the groups from all over the area. But I've always, as a Latino, uh, part of my personality, giving back to the game every Friday for all those years, worked a lot with the inner city kids, with the low income kids. And uh, when Wilmer Cabrera uh, became the head coach here, um, he reached out to me and kind of say, hey, Rafa, you know, we were working together back then. He was with the youth national teams, takes on the opportunity taking this position He said, look, would you come out here help me out with the trials for the pro team for the USL? I'm taking over a team. It's, it's right on the border, so on. And I came out just to help out, and then realized what the opportunity was. I said, "God help me <clears throat> and put me in this place," because one, I didn't know much about the area, but two, uh, really always wanted to give back, and with with what soccer's given me. So, um, Bert, Bert Garcia, who's the GM at the moment, obviously Mr. Cantu owning the team, uh, got to see how things were progressing. There were really good tryouts for the first team. And, and you know, part of like you said earlier, the the strength of, of a professional team is the is the body of what the front team is, just like baseball or any other sport. So behind that, <clears throat> coming from South America and coming from soccer around the world, looking at Mexico, right across from here, especially with with Monterrey that has some of the best soccer all around uh, on the guy side. You know, with Tigres, with Rayados, and other you know, big universities that produce players. Uh, There's also on the girls' side, 80% of the the national team comes from the Monterey area. And, you know, so with that said, uh, here was an opportunity and uh, Javier Morales, who worked with them, had been looking at, you know, who potentially could come in and work with the youth. Um, And there's always a lot of people that you have to give a lot of credit locally from all the youth local clubs from the high schools, from everywhere else. And there always comes that opportunity, but there also comes that um, issue. Wow, well, so if we're starting with a professional team and they're gonna build an academy. They're gonna take my players away. They're gonna take this, they're gonna take that. So you always have that. No matter where you go, there's always gonna be that. But from day one, all I've done is follow the pathway, the system, the professional team plays as an assistant coach. And for the first six months, thanks to Javier Morales and, uh, and, and a few other uh, coaches in the area, I got to see a lot of talent, small, you know, 5 v 5 little fields, going to mission, going watch Atlas, going to watch Tigres, going to watch Pachuca, going to Brownsville, seeing a little bit more and getting to know before I said, okay, here's kind of what we want to do as a plan to get started. And obviously you have to take into consideration the distance that, Most kids and families travel here. So I kind of said, well, it's probably one of the lowest income areas in the country. But when you look at every trip is about five hours or more, Uh, you get to San Antonio in three and a half, four. But if you're playing in a game, you want to leave six hours before so that you have an hour to rest and stretch before you get going. So all those things just make it for, for parents and everybody that gives the time and literally your whole weekend is gone. I remember driving to St. Marcos to see teams play in their state cup and just sit down and watch the talent from here and obviously watch what the competition in South Texas is and North Texas, Mm -hmm. and and very good competition. But once again, I remember watching games Saturday. I was there with the first team playing San Antonio. I stayed to watch games on Sunday from the youth. And so all the local clubs in San Antonio, Austin – in, in that state cup. And I remember a team finishing about 6. PM the game. They went to eat at water Whataburger, you know, give it six 37, uh, put gas, got on them, just follow them. And I felt like, okay, what, how do these kids feel after playing games, doing all that driving and getting in close to midnight, you know, 1. AM and then getting up the next morning, going to school. So that's when we started saying, The type of program that we have to do and build is something around where we will go out and play games, but we have to take a little bit of going back and forth and let's first train the players right, get them up to par to be able to compete. And we're not just spending money uh, to go out and just play games and say, well, you're wearing a total short, because as you said earlier, one of the first goals is how can we move players up the pathways? How can we teach these kids to be a better player on and off the field? How can they, you know, eat better, sleep better, have better reaction when they play? And so once we put our first group together, remember at the McAllen Complex, uh, we had our first tryouts and, and we had close to 200 kids. I mean, there was a lot of good talent out there and everybody wants to be part of it. And then obviously, you cut down numbers. Um, there were coaches there, and people, everybody telling you this is the best player, this is that. And you, you obviously look for the best player, but when you really look at kids, you have to look at the best all around person because just being a good talent doesn't take it all. You got to combine education, you got to look at part of changing the culture is making sure these kids start looking at potentially what universities can they attend based on what soccer was here in the U S where you would get drafted out of colleges. And when I was in Colorado, I had many uh, easily 12 to 14 first round drafts that we work with and made it through the pathways with Kansas city, with Real Soleil, with New York FC, Kyrie Shelton, all those kids grew up playing with me and then kind of coming through. So for me, it was that first opportunity to really do it with a pro team and be next to the coach, see what he wants out of the defense, see what he wants out of the midfield, see what he wants out of the forwards, the goalkeepers. So when we train, we train the same way because he was going to need one or two or three players for practice. And what you don't want to do is bring somebody who's not ready and then stops the practice. And at the same time, really with anything in in life is building confidence um, and then having people believe in what we do. And so we we got the teams. We started traveling to tournaments. One of our first games, tournaments was um, the Alianza Cup that we put in our budget. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Then we went down and it got rained out And after we've trained so hard. And and, um, we are stuck in the hotel and we're like, what do we do? We can't come down here and not play. These guys are ready to play in the hallways. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was fun really watching every kid smile, being in the same uniforms, getting down there. And so we called um, Houston Dynamo and say, hey, guys, we're here. We're stuck. Could you guys give us a game on your turf field? So we ended up playing with the with the 17s back then and the 15s and did really well, played well for not being, you know, a D.A. club. And at the end of the day, uh, it just showed automatically what type of talent we had. We had Brandon Morales. We have uh, Fernando, who's now playing in Spain. We had – Other kids that now have graduated from our program, they're into their third year of college, and tomorrow we're graduating our fourth class. So that combination of creating where we can train in the morning parallel to the pro team, what players they need, and now that's where Diego Rocha appears, and uh, Diego Diego, uh, Rosa is now with the national pool. So more and more, but I, I think there's another 50 more of those out there that we still you know because of the culture and and kids you know sticking with their high schools which is you know it's great you know whatever you guys want to do there is but sometimes you have to get outside that box and and have that have that opportunity so that you can get seen and by no means you know we have the two twins that left the area they're playing for fc dallas we have quite a few other kids that have grown here that have shown what the potential is. But for us, is what an opportunity to finally bring high elite soccer into our area where now teams travel here and it's not always out. And, and it's the same goes for the girls. You know, for one of the first programs that we were gonna do with the girls was jump into the ECNL and we were gonna do a partnership with a club in Austin. Mm-hmm. And it turned out that we made it a partnership closer uh, with Classic Elite for the girls' side. And those opportunities do happen. But there's, again, you play a a six-month season or you play a 10-month season without high school play. And and, and high school play dominates here, you know, because the pay to play is not there. Um, And I think around the world, you know, there's not so much pay to play. You, You have kids playing on the street. You have a lot of creativity. Why do most south americans have great touch because the fields are crappy you're playing on the street you're dribbling around rocks instead of cones or you're not being told what to do every single time but it has improved in many ways and for us starting the school brought us that togetherness where we train in the morning uh, went to school they breakfast they lunch with us and then back on the field so when a team trains uh, four times you know like a high school in three and a half months we did that for 10 months but we didn't train four times we trained eight times <laughs> and we were able to do that and then the buses take the kids to school to home and back and so that takes away from those parents that maybe single families that takes away from parents that may also have you know issues getting because they have other kids and other stuff or their jobs um Right now, I mean, you have, i give an example, Fernando um, that went to Spain. He was 16 when he was at Rayados. And we obviously watched him and, and you know, with good uh, people that ID him and we, we brought him in. Right away, you could see a great first touch. He was brought into practices, you know, regularly with the first team when, when um, the different coaches, obviously, it was Wilmer, was junior. And then Gerson, who's been really open, it uh, definitely helps out that those are coaches they came through the youth ranks, especially the youth national teams, because they know what it takes to get to that point. Um, and then Fernando says, "Well, I don't know because I've done, I haven't done well academically." So I said, "Well, let's get together, let's see what your grades are." Got with their parents and said, "Look, here's the plan." So. There's a team plan, but there's also the personal development plan for each player. That, you know, I would say 80 to 100% of the time, you can work on the line side to side. But if the kids' grades go down, we do not let them play. Uh, We don't let them travel unless they keep 75% or higher. Um, We made a contract with each, which we're even going to lift this year to an 85%. This way there's no issues about when these kids are being looked by schools, what that is gonna be an automatic, you know, and, and so we pushed them. basically um, we improved a lot in the few in the last few years and we added staff um, that has there are professionally and we looked at also bringing the staff from within the United States. But as you said before, we're in the cross on the border and everyone here grew up playing, trying to go play for League IMX. Uh, due to FIFA rules, once you turn not even 18, from 10 to 18, if you're a registered player and you play in the United States, you cannot go play in Mexico. Even if you're an American and go play in Mexico, now you cannot play in the United States. You have to clear FIFA FIFA rules. So those are things that we do want people to know. Find out what the rules, what the regulations, what all of those are, so that, so that you can uh, – you know, follow and make your decisions. You know, nobody should be pushing to something and then say, oh, well, you signed here now you belong to us. Anything like that. I mean, we're an amateur club. Yeah, with the dream of kids making it professionally. And like I said, many people along the way have helped out. Um, Idea Todos uh, through the school has given us a lot. They're a great partner. They're our biggest sponsor that helps provide as long as the kids in their contract also, go to college. It's 100% college, and that's what the model is for us. And, and so we get now, January 7th, the, the, the new school was built. We helped build it, we helped design it. How would it work? And it's right next to HEB Park. So when Tap Ramos and Houston Dynamo came in this year, and obviously throughout the years, Wilmer, when he had the team here, then he left. Um, it was just amazing that they came in every time we were ready and then we were playing more games. And then finally we had Houston Dynamo Academies come up. We brought in Tigres and we brought in Rayados at different age groups. So we started kind of challenging our kids now with international play. Mm-hmm. There's it, always going to be cost and there's always going to be things that, you know, we want to provide for more. Um, fields has always been a little bit an issue as much as we have some beautiful fields. They take care of them a lot, so you can't step on them. So you have to move around. And, you know, not complaining. They're just saying that everything may look perfect, but it's not perfect. Um, And and at the end of the day, uh, we make the best. Our coaches make great decisions. Uh, We have a conditioning coach that came from Tigres, who's won the U-17, U-20, U-22 national championship, won Dallas Cup. Uh, Reynaldo, also the head director and the technical director. With curriculum, bringing everything. Uh, when I uh, met him and watched him work for two weeks, I actually went to see Tote Castaneda, who was a former teammate of mine with Atlas. And so, looking at overall, what would be one of the best situations for us here in the valley?
0: So, for, first of all, you know, kind of, uh, can you explain what your your role as the RGVSC, uh Academy Director dictates? <laughs>
1: Yeah, as a director, obviously, um, making sure that our leagues and that we're in in compliance uh, with regulations, uh, part of our leagues, make sure that uh, the director, uh, in my position, obviously, we had to take a course for the director's course on the U.S. national team, which is um, a lot of travel to Europe, a lot of travel within the United States to see other academies, a lot of leadership, a lot of classes in there, Uh, a loan of of coaching and being able to work uh, building better curriculum, building uh, more innovative areas, and, and really getting to know how U.S. soccer wants in order to see the talent. How can we train them to keep them at the level? And obviously with those having the pathways with RGV and having the opportunity to train with the academy, go train with the pro, and then back in the afternoon with the academy, well, I have been able to have many, many hours around the kids and be able to help in that personal player development, um, making sure that our staff is always, you know, ready and organized. And then obviously in all ages, they've done a great job. Part of the development of the RGB for us is not just the player, but the coaching, the grassroots, which is still growing and there's a lot of talent. And then also now bringing in the, the U.S., licensing which we brought in already three grassroots we will be having the the D license and then we also are once we finish the D license in september it was supposed to be already um, sometime in february but because of the virus and everything got delayed uh, we already have uh, coaches from la liga brasa out of brownsville that have come to us uh, Roma. So we really expanded, and we're just really helping the development around the valley. And again, it's about helping whether it's a youth club, whether it's a uh, a little academy, or whether it's a high school team. We wanna we wanna help out uh, anywhere from the, the 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 middle valley, the lower valley, and obviously here in the area, and all the way to Rio Grande.
0: So you know, just just to clarify. You know and this is and the reason I ask this is because uh, there's been a lot of um, misinformation or a lot of people that believe that the RGVSE Academy is the same as the Houston Dynamo Academy. Uh, that is not correct, right?
1: Yeah, we're not. I mean, we're we compete against Houston Dynamo. Um, we actually now that we're aligned in the MLS. Um, you have, obviously, they, they are MLS, and we're an elite academy within the MLS structure. And one of the things that we're working out is where they, and using an example, they 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 loan from us Diego Rosas uh, that went to play in the GA Cup. And GA Cup is a tournament that's designated for the MLS teams, which they go and play also Liga MX, or they'll play teams from Canada, or they'll bring in more international play. And they asked us for the one. one We obviously loan him so he can go. And we're not here to hold any kid from not moving to a better situation. We just want to make sure the kids are ready academically or if they're leaving their families. Um, there's more talent. We've got tons of calls from Kansas City, from Colorado, from, you know, now Austin FC. And so, no, we, we, we do communicate with them. We're not completely tied in. Um, we help out the first team, but at the end of the day, RGV Academy, with the help of Mr. Cantu and facilities, we have our own nonprofit organization. Follow rules, protocols uh, within within the U.S., mm-hmm. and we and, and, you know we just provide something for the kids that that is at an elite level here locally and for the valley.
0: Yeah, that's. The, I think that's that's a really interesting aspect that you mentioned. You know that. Uh, even even with your own your own players your own uh, in, your boys and the girls that are part of the academy you know you're always looking forward to push them to go outside the box to not conform themselves to where they're currently at you know you, me- you mentioned uh, with Diego Rosas going with the Dynamo to the G- to the GA Cup uh, and also you know continue to push them uh, with their academic uh, academic work I think it's really it's really important you know we've discussed it. In the uh, in the podcast, you know, multiple times before, you know how important uh, education uh, can be, you know, for 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 kids uh, that are trying to to go and, and play and play soccer. In fact, you know, we were talking about it when uh, when uh, Brandon Morales decided to go to Cornell. You know, where you know it's really important to for somebody to get their their education. Even if you you want to go pro uh, as a pro soccer player, it's important to get your education to have a, a fallback, you know, in case for some, for some reason it doesn't work out uh, at the pro level. At least you have your career that you can make, uh, make something out of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, Brando is one of those special cases, just like Fernando, who had also quite a few opportunities. I mean, we have uh, Dylan, who's at Air Force, you know all Division One players, and at the end of the day, I tell them, that, you know, there's Division Ones that are very high in the in the elite level of play, but in the academics, I mean, there's obviously different levels. But your academics and your diploma, whether you play Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, and Brandon's dream is to play professionally. By no means, because he's going to Cornell, he's not keeping that dream. You know, Correct. most places around the world or countries. If you're at 17 by 20, you haven't made it to the first team. Most people look to the next player because there's more and more, and there's a lot of agents and there's a lot of that. And you know, really following and knowing that we, um, we, including myself, came here to get an education and still be able to do what we love. We can't stop somebody from not doing what they want, and parents and kids will make those decisions. But if we don't help guide them through it when things finish and they decided not to go to college, they get hurt or they decide to, you know, go back, obviously it's going to be on their own field because you're now going from an amateur to a professional level and you can't play NCAA. So most of the players that have done well have played minimum two years college, maybe your third year, and after that you've taken enough credits to kind of, by your fourth year when you finish your junior year, you can jump in into the draft or you can jump in with one of the proteins because now every college player that plays could be part of that, of that, of that draft. And then slowly the draft is kind of going away because now we have the youth academies that are training parallel and aligned with the professional today. There's about 250 homegrown players throughout the country and here, we have a lot of players. And the other thing that in the trend is now Major League Soccer obviously has the first team. We were the first hybrid with RGB Totos in the country with the USL so that the players are getting good playing time and they're training. They're not just training and not sitting on the bench or not playing. Uh, five or six players will come down. Obviously, the players that are here, the 2022 are training, playing hard, competing for that Saturday play or travel. And, and so that's creating that pathway. And more and more of our kids want to follow that. And Brandon Morales trained with them. Obviously, Junior gave him the, the in, you know, a beginning, a few touches. But then Coach Gerson right away, as we brought him into practice and in positions, we're like, wow, this kid is good. And he kept going and kept going. Uh, right foot, left foot, very good playing the eight, playing the 10, playing the nine position, can play the 11. And that's one thing that we need to do, develop the younger kids. We started the academy opposite, you usually go from U-12s and build up. But we. I personally knew that we only had one chance to show what we had. In order to compete, we went to IMG, uh, played against the U.S. national team, which we lost, played against Tottenham from England, which we lost, but then we came right in with the teams from the U.S. that. that were part of the Dallas Cup and played that even, and then we played IMG, and we were right there with all of them. So we said all we need is an opportunity, keep working, and keep building. And Brandon took, you know, that, Victor, um, I mean, your name, Isaac was one of those that ended up here, and we helped him, and he got into the youth national teams, and then he went down to also to Houston Dynamo. So that relationship is always going to happen, whether you compete with someone, you're not part of them, the communication for the good of the game and for the good of the kids from the valley, it's creating those pathways.
0: Definitely, and you know, going on with, with what you just talked about, you know, we we're building from the top down in regards to the age groups. Currently, what uh what age groups are are available at the Toros Academy?
1: So MLS uh, that starts in September. If if you know all this goes well, uh, we'll have a U19 team. We will have a U-17. Uh, This is on the boys' side. Um, There will be a U-16 that only plays events, but also plays in the Champions League and USC. Mm -hmm. Then there's Mm the U-15. A U-14 is a very big, big, big team, big base, because we're already looking into the kids that will eventually become, you know, the next MLS group. And they travel also to do MLS events and the U-13. And those coaches have done great jobs at the different levels. Then we have the U-12s with Coach Rafa, who's our Zone 1 coach, who works with all the little ones, U-12s, U-11s, U-10s, U-8s, U-9s. And so the grassroots has to keep improving. Um, But the repetition that with the coaches, The principles of the game, you know, the four components of your attack, your defense, your transitions, and set plays has improved so much. Um, You know, uh, under U.S. soccer, you know, what system do we want to use? And we're aligned as a club. Um, Most teams play at the same style, and and we played very close to what the professional team did. But in the youth level, we actually have – you know, we showcase our style. We don't play direct over the over the top. We really try to build out of the back, make sure that we can come out on the left side, on the right side, uh, without just kicking the ball up the field, but building it through through the middle, uh, finding our forwards, creating uh, um, unbalanced runs to get behind, and then really not taking the abilities away and the personality of the Latino style of play. And that's something that really showed this year, the first year. You know, Dallas, FC Dallas showed us, you know, how it is, how they press you. We improved pressing a lot this year. Again, the the, the coaches under the system that we play and and how we teach teaching coach during the week from smaller groups to bigger groups to complex has been very well. And then when we added the conditioning coach, that improved. So really all ages, the same thing happens with the girls. Um, we have all ages. There are some ages that we have a, a few more and then a few less. Um, and then the kids still that are not the, the, the 17, the, the 19, the 17, and 15s do not play high school who are in the in full The other groups, which we have a second team in each age group, so it's like their own farm system within the, there, they, they, we have all ages as well, but those kids get a chance to play high school as well.
0: So, relatively, the the academy is really really young. You know, you mentioned that you started building the foundation of it uh, as soon as you you came in, along with uh, Wilmer Cabrera. You know, yes. so it was how how uh, how soon was it when the Tours Academy received the at that time the DA Academy designation and what was the path towards that?
1: So for the first year, like I said, for six months, we didn't really start because the first thing started on 2016 when the the, the stadium was supposed to be built, but we actually played at a UTRGV. And then we moved there a year later, but that August... We kind of went on right away with the first groups that we did a year and a half, literally. And by playing in ING and playing in Dallas Cup and playing everywhere, um, they'd seen that that we were doing really well. Um, U.S. Soccer watched us play because we played the youth national teams uh, against players that today already in the main national team and in Europe. And, you know, we showcased what we had and then kids started getting scholarships. So right away, we, we made some noise Um, found out what the process was introduced. We put a plan. We put a a one, three, five year plan that we've been really actually ahead of the plan. And we ended up applying. There were 300 teams applying for the academy. Uh, They saw our plan. They came out and saw our facilities. They saw what we have. And we got pulled from 300 to the top 25. Within that week, we received more phone calls, and obviously, the club was built, and the nonprofit was built, and there's been changes in the management up top. But truthfully, I've been from day one with both the professional, the academy, and then the youth club, because there's almost three components to it. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're one, and 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 that has really helped to to show showcase what we have and so u.s soccer came out and ran a scouting that's when they saw um, um isaac um and they within three days did paperwork and he was flown out to la to be part with the national team they played the galaxy and they played uh, cholos and he started on those two games and then eventually he came down here and you know i think he was 15 turning 16 and, and then he ended up going to Houston Dynamo where he was there almost two years, uh, but came back now. Um, and, and, and even then I gave credit to those high school coaches and everybody who was his coach, because by no means we had the kid with us. Um, Brandon Morales did really well in Dallas cup and in those tournaments, so does Fernando really everyone. And that's what opened up the opportunity. Uh, we were given a, uh, A phone call again by U.S. Soccer, and I remember a lot. It was December um, 2018, and they basically said, 2017, they said, look, we realized after looking after everything and the pathways that you guys have, that you're a big candidate. Are you guys in for it? So sat down with our board and laid it out, and everybody was in it. And we were first year, and we had a. Play the schedule they gave us. We didn't have a chance to really. We had to jump. I mean, literally, it's like a train running, and we had to get on it. It's been a great ride, a great experience, not only for the kids but for myself and for our staff. And and I mean, what's coming? It's even unbelievable now. Also being part of the MLS, because we'll see more teams in the area visiting.
0: And now, you know, moving moving forward, uh, you get the uh, the sudden announcement. That uh, U.S. Uh, U.S. Soccer has terminated uh, the DA the DA academies for both uh, the boys and the girls. What were some of the what were the reactions of the organization in general uh, from that announcement?
1: You know, um, obviously it leaves you shocked because we've done a lot of work and uh, the funding in every area was already worked. Is we have to have that that ahead one year ahead. Um, it, you spend a lot of money on the travel. You spend a lot of money in taking care of the kids, you know, the academics, all that. Obviously, idea does. But all of that saying, you know, you look at the people that are involved. What are the leagues? You know, there was the ECNL, which has a really good pathway to college. So, no, no, no matter what, we're not just building professional soccer players. We're building leaders. We're building. Kids that will go to college, come back and give back to the community, mild citizens, and so that's one thing that you'll always hear from us, from myself, and from all of our all of our teachers, and and so when that goes down, obviously we were for two three weeks a lot of uncertainties, and more important, look at what's happening with the pandemic. We didn't even know if hopefully everybody's healthy. We got to keep everybody away. Um, Coaches done done a great job of. We're going on nine weeks of Zoom training uh, on the afternoons from four to six with the teams and not just watching them, but obviously coaching them through it, taking attendance, taking evaluations, keeping everybody going and everybody's a little tired. While everybody's been inside, I think all those exercises and keeping them engaged has been a pivotal point. I was working on the side on phone calls with what went down and telling the you know, not only Jerson with the pro team had happened. It was about 40 days of work, and we already, the Frontier League, had made a decision that we were going to stick together, whether we were going to go into the ECNL or we were going to form our own league. And so did other clubs in the country, and then MLS came in. Being a former player, we got a hold of me, we talked, and then we were in that pathway. They looked at everything. I mean, so the 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 first part is is through. We're part of the um, founding members of the new MLS league. Mm-hmm. Um, part two now is working on the schedules, and part three is finalizing all the rules, regulations, and and how this is going to work. And one of the biggest things that they they we all want is improvement and having a voice on the table. So we're not only there for a year, but our goal is to have a contract for five years minimum, so that we can build through budgets for, for years to come and other stuff. But, you know, even doing all this, we don't know if we'll all get back to playing in September. So we're already looking at plan B and plan C through tournaments and showcases because part of it is making sure that we are competing with professional clubs, that we're also competing across the country and in, in regionally more, so we don't spend that much with college coaches always being able to watch the kids.
0: So within the uh, the MLS uh, academy, would the RGV with uh, the RGB kids be given an opportunity to play against uh, other MLS academies more consistently, or what? What were some of the benefits that so, for that?
1: Yeah, so so even in our Frontier League, um, we play home and away against FC Dallas. We play home and away against Houston Dynamo, we play home and away now against Austin, Texas, we play home and away against uh, Colorado Rapids, and we play home and away against Kansas City, and then we also have San Antonio, like us, where we're in the USL, where we are also part of the USL Academy, which I know you'll ask me a little bit more about that, Mm -hmm. and then we have the other clubs, so there's 12 of us in our division, and it's too far for clubs to go from MLS to just play MLS. They need us, we need them as well, to be able to compete, engage where we are, and to get more games. The whole goal is that teams are playing based on the age anywhere from 30 to 45 games a year, obviously with playoffs and finals. In this way, the development not only improves here for the RGB, but as a whole, for national teams because the goal now that we're aligned with professional league in every country, Liga MX, Ligas in, in and in Costa Rica and South America and Europe, they all have their 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 system coming through.
0: Mm-hmm. So going now, that, now that you touched up about the USL Academy, uh, one of the biggest confusions that I had, and this is because I read, I believe it was on uh, The Athletic, that they mentioned that RGV is also a part uh, of the new USL uh, Academy League. And they mentioned that it was more than likely that some age groups would uh, be participating in the USL Academy and then some others would be working at the MLS Academy. Uh, can, can, is that is that what's uh, being planned for or how would that work to balance so, both?
1: So USL, we already played the first year on USL. Um, so just like MLS, um, USL what they've done is with um, with their teams around the country um, I'm on the part of the board with MLS teams and with US national team representation as well on the on the board and in Orlando we sat down and, and drew what the plan was so part of the plan is doing regional tournaments rather than travel all over the country and spend money because it's too far of a country And this way just like MLS does in their, in their GA Cup, that's the, that's the GA Cup for the USL teams. Mm-hmm. So last year, it made a big difference because we went and competed in San Antonio, mm-hmm. San Luis, um, uh, Phoenix, all, all the teams that our pro team plays but against their academies. But we played teams from California. Uh, we played from other places. And the level was very, very close to what the MLS, national team scouts were there. Um, a lot of technology and there's always going to be development. Um, our team actually was they put in the GPSs on in a new uh, data for information on how much you know they ran in the game, how many touches, how many were positive, how many negative. Look at the feedback and the loads for the kids throughout the games. Exciting. Everybody got to learn about each other and how we can improve you know each year. Obviously, with the DA going down, obviously there's always going to be an extra league, just like ECNL. And in, in, um, we will be playing – we were ready to play with the 17s in the national championships and with the 13s. Now it's going to open up to more of a 15, 17, 19 like us. And once again, I said it, You, uh, USL, most of the MLS teams actually, they're U-9 teams are going to be playing mostly in the USL against our our USL team, our first team. And they're moving now to more like the the, USL 1 or USL 2 level because they want to play those boys, and their money and investment on development is to watch them in front of a crowd, watch them and to see if they're ready. Um, FC Dallas did that this year. They won the national championship, and they're already producing their own players in homegrown. Mm
0: -hmm. Correct, uh, North Texas SC, uh, the champions of uh, USL League One. So yeah, uh, so we'll have so we will have
1: some more kids that are already in our second teams be able to part of, of that USL Academy, not league. I will, I would call it showcase mm-hmm. because once everybody sees what the cost is to go around the country, you're gonna go wow. And you, instead of spending mm-hmm. just seventy five hundred to eight thousand, which we do uh, per kid. You're going to be looking at 11, 12 Colorado spends about twelve to thirteen thousand per kid. Uh, Kansas City spends about 16, 17 when they include international per year. So obviously, in the MLS, Adidas provides a big chunk of money to support those programs. We yearly work it, uh, keep looking for more, keep looking for investors to make it better, and I feel that we're not far away to moving more team, more players up. You know, one of those now is Rocha. He's done well. Um, it was exciting to see the whole backline of the U-19s when Houston Dynamo came and got to play in that exhibition game where they played three, four halves of 30s. And based on loads from the first team uh, from Houston Dynamo and ours, our RGB our thought it was first team reserve. With the Academy defenders, they got to showcase, and we actually had college coach visiting, who that gave him a huge gauge and knowing what our talent was like, and he was really impressed.
0: Yeah, I think that was one of the observations that you know that I had uh, from that match uh, between the Toros and the Houston Dynamo was how how composed uh, that back that young back line looked against uh, players like Tommy McNamara, you know, an MLS veteran. And other, and other players in the Houston Dynamo that have had their years, you know, in MLS but aren't necessarily first teamers. So I think that, that that's just uh, kudos to all of those, you know, like you mentioned, that helped one way or another with the development uh, of these kids uh, to, towards where, where they're at right now. And obviously as well, you know, all of your efforts to make sure that, you know, that this uh, short-term and long-term plans... Are into fruition, go into fru- or fruition as smoothly as possible.
1: You got to give a lot of thank you to 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 Jerson, who's given the opportunity to kids to come in and, you know, without believing in them and let them make mistakes and learn from them, and then even pushing them a training and then being able to come and almost play as close to someone who's done their four years at Stanford, like Nico, who was a national champion. I'm very close with the head coach from Stanford, and we worked in Colorado together for years. Uh, and see kids that played at Clemson and Virginia, and now our kids are coming, and they're right there, you know. And but you only get better by by being by being pushed. You only get better. One of the things we talk about why is so good playing at the MLS academy levels because you're gonna be you're gonna be challenged every practice, every game, and the kids here play a lot of good soccer but not at the speed of play, you know. We have to press because we don't have the size the rest of the country does. Um, when they want us national teams to play in the 4-3-3, uh, we don't have the outside mates or backs that can go box to box with speed. So there's some changes that we need to make. And, you know, um, we played, um, I don't know if you guys know what Double Pass is. Double Pass is a company... Uh, that's registered through FIFA that does an evaluation of professional teams. And they were here for a whole week with us, and it ended up with the matches when we played against San Antonio FC. So for us, that's the big rival, just like the first team. And the year before, we lost down there 1 0. Um, and this year, we won 5 0. And the, the 15s, because they only have 17 and 15s now. Uh, we They were very good team, very good. And we actually came from behind, losing 2-0, went up to 3-2. They tied us because we went for the win and then we lost in the last play of the game, but they got to play inside the stadium. And those are the opportunities that the kids remember. You know, Diego Ross has played very well and he played down to his age. And so we have, like I said, six to eight boys that are in national pool. Diego Rosas has been one that was in his way to Italy, and that got canceled. And then the other two boys, um, Diego Rodriguez and Marcos, Marcos um, were already with their tickets and everything to go to national team camp with the O fives when it got canceled due to the virus.
0: So, so moving moving on uh, with uh, with another question, and this, and I think this is. A question that a lot of uh, fans on both the Dynamo and RGV side have had uh, with the with the you know with information that hey you know what the RGV Academy is different from the Dynamo Academy, but as we all know you know the the Dynamo Academy or the Dynamo are the ones that control for the most part the technical aspects of the RGV EFC first team. Does that, does that uh, pose a challenge to, uh, to you and, and to the kids when, when it comes to uh, putting in, you know, the these kids uh, into the first team compared to the Dynamo Academy?
1: You know, they, they that's the contract that the pro team has. Um, and obviously is, is looking at what, what the direction is, not only from the standpoint of the field, but also on the field. And, you know, I don't want to say is what it does. We keep working hard and showing it with hard work and showing that our kids belong. And there is a side, yes, they will move the pathway for them. We go academy, come to the USL, and then go back to Houston. But most of those kids are there, so we're here. We're lucky to be here in their own background, and we can get players in. And once again, giving Coach Gerson, Bobby, and the whole staff that every time our kids come, they they, they get treated just like they're one of the players. Mm-hmm. So we kind of, I don't want to say taking a backseat. We're just proving it day to day with hard work. And, 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 you know, once again, Diego Rocha is right now training every day with those guys in development. So we tell them, look, keep getting with your education because maybe you end up with that first team contract, but then you got to keep going to school here um, locally because we're not going to stop that. And Jerson was a college coach, and the other guys were college, so we pushed that. Uh, Would we want to be more aligned? Of course, everybody wants that. And we want more kids from the Valley to have those opportunities because there's talent there. But, you know, everything takes its time, and I know they're talking, and so are other, you know, MLS groups that have called for quite a few of the kids. So we're happy to be part of the league. Remember, they also have – they have the Dynamo Youth, which is part of Houston Dynamo, mm-hmm. but they they play in the same league. We all compete against each other.
0: Definitely, and specifically with Diego Rocha, who is uh, a part of the Dynamo, uh first team. You know, he's a he's a uh, player that, if I'm not mistaken, uh, came from Laredo Heat. Uh, yeah, he- yes. So how? How can you explain his play style uh, to to fans that would will be able to hopefully if uh, the if USL returns returns to play maybe not maybe not this year but next year if he's the, if he's in the first team what can we expect from Diego Rocha?
1: Well, I mean, give him a lot of credit that he left home. He saw what we had with the school. He saw what we had with the building um, developing. Um, Coach Reynaldo, when he came in, he was a number six, a defensive mid, liked to play it a little bit more ahead. Um, we built from the back, as we said, and a lot of work is done to take him to where he's at. And so jerson will say, I need a center mid. I need a, someone that can play in the back. I need, and we luckily have a lot of lefties. I mean, if you look at who I keep saying, uh, getting calls up by the national teams, it seems to be all our lefties. <laughs> something that, there but finding a center left back that can play out of the back is very hard and not only here but in the whole country there's about five or six that are that so um he's been seen by Philadelphia he's been seen by other clubs and he just happens to be in the right place at the right time um, there's a lot of things he needs to work on his strength and the mental side of the game and, and, and we push him that his academics have to be better every day um, he's a great kid. One of the, the his strength is his vision and passing through lines, you know, finding feed, and he can hit a very good diagonal ball. Uh, but understanding his his both strengths and weaknesses, uh, the air game, you know, when you get to the to the air game, he's going to be pushing and playing against 25, 26 year olds, and then other teams are going to play against someone his age. They're coming at them just like we did when we played the Galaxy the first game of the season. So. Um, exciting because that opportunity has come earlier than people expected and exciting because he's opened doors for other guys and local kids to have that opportunity. Uh, we meet the teams from Laredo at times at Roma, or we've come there and played, or they've come here and played. Uh, we actually also play, uh, Texas A&M international here with our academies and they, we get to see them, and then the pro coaches get to see players from those colleges as well. It's an all-around work. It's a team effort. But once again, giving a lot of credit to the front group that allows us to do be part of that.
0: And I, I, I really look forward to uh, seeing more out of, out of uh, Diego Rocha, hopefully. And hopefully we can get, see some more of these Valley players in the in the first team. Because uh, I think that's one of the things that uh, this team might, uh, the first team kind of needs to work on more. And they've been improving in that aspect is having more players that are identifiable, you know, with with the, with the Rio Grande Valley or through, you know, people who or kids who have gone through through the uh, youth process you know we have Isidro from Brownsville Victor Garza there from there from from far Brandon Morales coming from far and through the academy and now Diego Rocha another academy player so I think the, the yeah. future is looking bright in that area. oh it's
1: bright it's bright I mean Chalene is a perfect example of somebody who could have gone to a lot of colleges we interviewed him because we have a, a Facebook once or twice a week with um uh, me talking about the club and what's going on on a weekly base, but more than anything, also bringing a pro, a college coach, or someone that they can listen about what their pathways were, what they've done. And a lot of them say, look, we made mistakes. We went here, we went there. And I wasn't looked at because I was too little. Uh, I mean, uh, Chelín played with Pulido, and Pulido's come from this area, and look where he is today. Mm-hmm. And then those are some of the things that, that people need to recognize, and i think that when we went and we applied to u.s soccer bus being part of this is i knew that the profile of player that's here is needed because it's a creative player but there's also a lot of things that in life we need to be able to jump and and not be in a comfortable zone because that's when you get challenged when you're comfortable you get comfortable playing with your group but the moment you take Chalene out or you take someone and now he goes and does preseason and he does really well he goes down there but if he doesn't get playing time then that confidence and that fitness level so that's that pathway through the usl and then somebody gets hurt and he's ready to step in who's going to step from him and hopefully he's a kid from here uh diego rosas has been training with the first team and he he was just 14 years old mm-hmm. so if we don't challenge him even being around in the warm-ups being around in in the passenger being around on the service obviously on the physical side of 14 versus a 23 year old that played in college it's not going to be easy but guess what he's one that when they looked at him they asked me is he a righty or left footed and i said well he can play with both and they asked me is he a righty or left footed and (laughs) and i said Okay, he's a righty. Well, he scored three goals with his left foot, and then he came back. The scout came back to me and he said, "You were right." I'm yeah. like, "Well, I just don't want to be," but I know what we have.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think he. This is where you know the the saying goes, "Steel sharpens steel." Uh, you know, I think it's a definite example of that. Uh, but uh, last couple of questions uh, before before we end uh, this interview. Uh, so first of all is how can fans follow what's going on with the academy and what can we as media, both mainstream, like, you know, your, your local news stations, as well as us, uh, fan created, uh, media do to help promote the academy.
1: So definitely we we have our own website with RGB Taurus FC, and we also have the Facebook and you can follow and we'll put all our schedules and updates. Obviously, with the situation with the virus and the CDC, and so we're not allowed to get back on fields. We're holding Zoom training sessions um, that, uh, for example, we're giving off this weekend because of the holiday and just finishing school. But next week on the 26th, 27th, and 28th, from 2.30 to 3.30, you can sign up through our website, and then you'll be given a code to get in through our Zoom um, classes. So you can follow some of the trains that the coaches and the teams are doing. Tryouts, if, if it's allowed to get back, everything with distance, um, you can go and register. We're looking at doing that on, on the following Saturday, the 30th, 29th um, and 30th. Um, and just giving opportunity to players who do not play with us. And this way we give everybody a chance. And once we can get back out, we hope that by the beginning of June, we're able to see more. But following the stories in each kid and how they're doing and where they're going to college, also through the Idea Todos on Facebook, um, with the Idea Todos um, school, they have a lot of stories on the kids. And then with the social media, we'll get our social media to make sure that we kind of stay in touch with you guys and be able to give you more and how our kids are doing, both on the boys and the girls. And remember that we hosted here uh, two years ago the workup qualifiers. Our kids got to play against Jamaica and got to do a lot of stuff, and they were both kids, and they were involved in the whole process. And this year there was the Olympic qualifiers, and then Mexico was here. And so they got to see the talent and they got to see our facilities and they all want to come back. So those are, those are huge points. You know, the only thing is that we do want to give back in the community. Is there's anything that we can get out coaching education? We'll announce it so people can take advantage. Um, and then just really become a team together in the city that again, we want, we're proud. We're proud to be taught We're proud to represent the colors, represent the Valley in all areas, and we also proud of every team that, whether they play for us or not, we want to support them as well, because that's what this is.
0: Definitely, and uh, the final question, you know, is how can kids, how can the kids of, of the Rio Grande Valley and and the general vicinity uh, of of the RGV join uh, join the academy as far as cost, uh, what kind of tryouts, when things. Uh, come back to normal hopefully soon? And what are their expectations uh, outside of the academic uh, expectations that you did touch upon up before?
1: Yeah, no, so, so we have grassroots. We have a smaller programs for the, we call it an academy, uh, the junior academies. They're involved. It's, it's more like a recreational training. Um, and then they get to play on the weekends once they're able to come back. Uh, we now have the facilities there with HEB. And then we have the facilities at the school. Uh, we're also in, in, um, in Harlingen. And then we're in Brownsville as well. We have some clubs that we work with. And so you can look at the closest area where you're at. Uh, we treat it expensive. Uh, we try to, obviously, we have costs that we need to cover, especially on the travel. But we want to build more. We want to get to as many people as we can help out. And, and just grow it. Um, we have um, Laredo and areas that want to be part, and we're trying to build a, a, a league that would play in Laredo, Roma, Brownsville, and then this area so that we can create another league or pathway for everybody and doesn't take away as well from, uh, from, you know, their high school play and all of that. Um, I think just keep building relationships, and anybody's interested, they can email us. They can look at our information on the website, and then we'll get back to them as soon as possible.
0: Definitely. Uh, so, uh, Coach Amaya, uh, we, I thank you so much for taking the time to co- to come on the show, and uh, you know answer all of these questions and inform the fans about everything that's going on with with the RGBSC Academy. Uh, thank you. Like I said, of all the efforts that you've gone, you know, and it's not easy building something from scratch. Uh, literally a, a program su- as complex a, as an academy. Not anybody can do that. And so uh, we're really grateful for all that you have done uh, for the youth of the Rio Grande Valley and for the RGVC Toros. Well,
1: we're very thankful and uh, we hope that we can keep doing it and, and we hope to keep pushing kids up. Uh, we're always gonna need that support. And I think not only in the academy, but also with the professionals. And we hope that we did get back and we really appreciate you guys doing this because that's the way that people get to know more about us. Um, I know during the DA, probably a lot of people didn't know what the DA was. And so it's a league that obviously once you commit and sign, you're there for a year kind of in a contract. But at the end of the day, it's more supporting the play, uh, watching those kids smile. And hopefully we uh, we take pride in what we do. And, and we believe in what we do and I want to thank our staff I want to thank the opportunities that that the first team gives these kids uh, the leadership both in our board with the with the youth academies uh, mr. Kantu who's the owner for the USL and hope that my god I, we want to get back to play and hopefully uh, Make the playoffs and, and bring a championship.
0: <laughs> Definitely. Ho- hopefully, it comes back soon. And you know what? Hopefully, we can have you back uh, for another for another episode uh, of Down in the Valley. We, you know, this was a really, really uh, interesting chat. Kind of just kind of get an update as soon as you know. Uh, there's a concrete uh, date on the return to play for for the academy members.
1: Thank you. Thanks to you, and I really appreciate uh, the time and the opportunity.
0: Of course, thank you, and uh, have have a good night, and stay safe out there.
1: All right, the same. Thank you, thank Bye. you. Bye.